morning, everybody. Good morning. I'm Pastor Stefan. I'm glad to be up here this morning to be with you here in church. Uh, would you please turn with me in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 7? It's on page 1,754. You're going to use the Bibles that we're providing for you there. So during the season of Easter, we have been uh, doing a lectionary sermon series following the lectionary through um, the book of Revelation. Before we dive in, I want to give just a little review of some of the things that we've talked about, about um, how we need to be reading and understanding the book of Revelation, because it's a tricky one. So um, first of all, you may recall that in the weeks past, we talked about how Revelation would be classified as an apocal- a piece of apocalyptic literature. Apocalyptic literature. The word apocalypse does not mean the end of the world. It does not mean zombies chasing you through a post-civil hellscape kind of thing. That's not what apocalypse means. The word apocalypse means to reveal what is hidden. That's it. To reveal what is hidden. It's that simple. So the book of Revelation was written at the end of the first century as a letter to seven little churches in Asia Minor. It was written to those seven churches. By extension, it was written to us too, but most, first and foremost, it was written to those seven churches. And the purpose of the letter was to remind those believers about this hidden reality, about something that's not always easy to see, but is always very, very true, that Jesus is alive and that he's big, and that he's powerful, and that he's not going to get pushed around, and that he has love in his eyes for us. That's the deeper reality. That's the deeper truth. So for these believers in these seven churches, because they were enduring such significant persecution, this was a hidden reality for them. They couldn't see it very easily. In fact, all of those things felt untrue at times. Jesus being big, it felt untrue. And so they needed this revelation. They needed this apocalypse. They needed this revealing um, from the Holy Spirit through the Apostle John that gave them strength to believe the things that were truest. So we have the book of Revelation, and it's full of wonder, and it's full of imagination, and all of these things to remind them, those seven churches, and to remind us that Jesus is powerful, and that nothing can inhibit what he intends to do. So the point of this book, which we're studying, the purpose for which it was written, the reason the Holy Spirit gives it to us, is to ease our anxiety. The purpose is to calm our fears, to lower our blood pressure, which is maybe different than it's been used on you in the past. Revelation is not meant to scare us. It's meant to get our attention, but not to scare us. Revelation is not meant to make us fear for our salvation. Revelation is not meant to offer some kind of secret code that we can unpack in order to figure out when and where Jesus is going to come back and that kind of... None of that. None of that. Revelation is meant to put us at ease. It's meant to lower our blood pressure, to make us believe all of the things that God has told us. That's the purpose. So, let's have a read. 
Revelation chapter 7. Um, in spite of what it says in the, in the worship folder, we're going to read all of chapter 7. If you follow, follow along up there, it should all be up there. We're going to read all of Revelation chapter 7. Listen to God's word. John writes, After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or on any tree. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had given power to harm the land and sea, do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. From the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. From the tribe of Reuben, 12,000. From the tribe of Gad, from the tribe of Asher, Naphtali, Manasseh, Simeon, keep up with me, uh, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, Benjamin, all of them 12,000. After this, I looked... And there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them from his presence, with his presence. Never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of the Lord. There's a lot going on there, right? Let me do a little bit of catching up to get us to the point where we can understand kind of what's going on in this, at this point in the book of Revelation. We're, we're skipping around a little bit because we're following the lectionary, so I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. In, in, in Revelation chapter 5, which is what Sam preached on last week, in that chapter we are in the throne room of heaven and this great scroll is brought in. And the scroll has writing on both sides of it, and it is sealed with seven seals. So what is this scroll? Uh, last week, 
uh, like Sam said, most commentators believe that this scroll is the scroll of history. It's the scroll of history into the future. It's the scroll that contains all of the plans for God's world, all of the plans for God's people, everything that will happen in God's world and to God's people, all of it. That's in the scroll, that's chapter 5. Then in chapter 6, the Lamb of God opens the first six scrolls, uh, seals on the scroll one by one, and God reveals what kind of things we can be expecting in the future. So what can we expect? It's not a happy picture. Seal number one says that there will be conflict. Seal number two says that there will be war. Seal number three says that there will be famine and hunger. Seal number four says that there will be disease. Seal number five says that there will be persecution. Seal number six says that there will be many natural disasters. The seventh seal isn't opened until chapter eight, but spoiler alert, same kind of thing. Bad news. So these, there, there we have it. That's the future <laughs> laid out for us in the book of Revelation. Six of the seven seals have been broken, revealing 100% bad news. The seventh seal will be open soon, but that just kind of says the same thing, also bad news. So according to this scroll in the book of Revelation, what kind of, kinds of things can you and I expect as we live as citizens in this cosmos as children of God. Well, we can expect that nations will be invaded. We can expect that the madmen who run those nations will just try to justify those unjustifiable wars. We can expect that there will be pandemics, like the COVID-19 pandemic, and epidemics like AIDS and Ebola, which will kill millions of people. We can expect that poverty and malnutrition will continue to be the leading causes of death in our world. Poverty and malnutrition, the leading causes of death in our world. We can expect that Christians in many places will be ridiculed or even killed for their values. And we can expect that hurricanes and earthquakes and tsunamis and the like will continue to devastate unsuspecting communities. That's the future that's laid out for us in the scroll. It is a promise that every generation of God's people, will, every generation will see some kind of tribulation, this kind of tribulation. And to this point... If I may editorialize a bit, the scroll has been right on, like nailed it, batting a thousand. Then we get to chapter 7, which we read this morning, and we see that there's something else that we can expect. In verse 3, chapter 7, verse 3, one of God's angels says that before any of these horrible things take place, before any of this stuff happens, a seal must be placed on the foreheads of the servants of God. 144,000 of them, 
12,000 from each tribe of Israel. What does that mean? Now, I am about to attempt some math. As we have learned in very recent history, Sam, this doesn't always go well from behind the pulpit. <laughs> but I don't see any way around it, so here we go. And if I'm wrong, I'm sure you all will correct me. Okay. 144,000. Maybe that does not seem like a very big number to you, and I guess it's not. Like, this, the population of Grand Rapids is 200,000 people. So why are we talking about 144,000 people? Well, in the ancient world, numbers came with different, attached with different meanings. In the ancient world, numbers were attached with different meanings, and the number 12 was a number of fullness. The number 12 represented the entirety of something. So if something was 12, it was everything of that thing. There was a completeness to it. There was a wholeness to it. So here comes the math. 144,000 is 12,000 times 12. Or at least I think it is. 12,000 times 12. So if 12 means everything of something, 12,000 times 12 means everything, everything of something. Know what I'm saying? Everything, everything of something. So 144,000 means everything, everything. Or in this case, 144,000 people means everybody, everybody. We're not talking about counting to 144,000. We're talking about Everybody, everybody. All of God's children. Not a finite number, but all of them. Not just a select few. Everybody, everybody. All of God's children. And then we get confirmation of this in verse 13. So one of the elders who is standing around the throne kind of jaunters over to John and just wants to make sure that he has some idea of what's going on here. And he asks him a rhetorical question. And he says, he says, so these, John, these people in the white robes, who are they and where do they come from? And John is like, I don't know, you're the expert. And so the elder replies, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So who are these 144,000 people? They're us. us. It's you. But more accurately, it's us. Did you know you were in the Bible? You're totally in the Bible. We are the everybody, everybody. The church of Christ is the 144,000 washed in the blood of the Lamb. This is a picture of us in the future. You know how in um, Back to the Future Part 2, right? Like one of the best ever, 
Marty McFly goes into the future and he catches this amazing glimpse of himself in the future. That's us right now. This is our Marty McFly moment. You're living it. We are catching a glimpse of ourselves in the future. You know how sometimes you wish you could go back in time and talk to your middle school self, right? Or your high school self. And you wish you could tell that, one, that, that young person just how beautiful and how wonderful and how strong and courageous they are. You know how you wish you could just grab your younger self by the shoulders and tell them that, you know, it's going to take time, but you're going to grow into yourself. You're going to grow into yourself. And you will mature through hard things. And God's power is made perfect in your weakness. And on top of that, you are crushing the baggy jeans and the highlights. That's a little more personal, but you get the idea. <laughs> what if you could grab yourself by the shoulders? What would you say to that young person? That's what's happening in this text. We are getting a glimpse of our future selves. We are the everybody, everybody. And our future selves are telling us true things about ourselves that they are longing for us to know. There are things in here that our future selves are longing for us to know. They want us to see who we become. So who do we become? Well, for one thing, we're brave aren't we, in the future? This group of everybody, everybody. In the future, we have a courage about us. We have a bravery about us. And it's, it's the kind of presence that you only get when you've really wrestled with your own demons, right? It's the kind of bravery that you only get when you've really looked yourself in the mirror. And in the future, we have that. We're brave in the future. Also, we're strong. Did you see these people? These are some strong, strong people. So here come the seven seals, right? And the seven seals are super bad news. Conflict and war and famine and disease and persecution and natural disasters. And the church is like... What else you got? That's what we're like. We're strong in the future. How about this one? Did you catch this one? In the future, we're diverse. Did you see this? From every Nation, tribe, people, and tongue. And the Greek word for every here means every. <laughs> I know, what an insight. <laughs> From every nation, every tribe, every people, every 
language, which suggests to me that at some point in the future, at some point by the grace of God, we are going to be strong enough and confident enough and humble enough and brave enough to address the insidious systemic racism at work in our hearts, in our community, and the world. Please, Jesus. We're diverse in the future. And then finally, and most importantly, we are infatuated with Jesus in the future. Just infatuated with him. Did you see how everything else that these people are, the 144,000, the everybody, everybody, everything that they are, everything that they've become flows out of their infatuation with Jesus. Jesus is the perfect picture of God's love for us in the future. And he is the ultimate encouragement towards understanding God's love for us in the future. He is the source of our future bravery He is the source of our future strength. Jesus is the source of our future diversity. He's the source of our future unity. It all comes from Jesus, from our infatuation with him. Our future selves, the everybody, everybody, In this text, they are grabbing us by the shoulders and they are telling us, this is who you are. You maybe don't see it yet, but this is who you are. This is who you're becoming in Christ. It might not feel like it all the time, but you are strong. You are brave. You are inclusive. You are recovering. You are humble and you are evolving, and you are shot through with the reality of the power of Jesus. Can we believe what our future selves are saying about us this morning? Can we believe that God in Christ is working miracles in us right now? Can we have hope for the future even when things are so, so hard? Just like when we were in middle school, it's something that we're going to have to grow into, right? It's something that we're going to have to mature into, and it's not going to happen overnight. But Jesus says we can. And so, we can. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, We're so grateful for this beautiful, imaginative snapshot into the reality of our future. It's hard for us to see us, to see ourselves 
in that place as the everybody, everybody, as those who have been completely washed in the blood of the Lamb. It's hard to imagine our hearts, our lives, our communities, our congregations fulfilling the promises given to us here. But thankfully, our hope is not in ourselves, but it's in you. So Lord Jesus, in whatever way we can, help us to begin to live into the realities of our future to be those people that you are preparing us to be. Help us first and foremost to become infatuated with you, especially while you invite us to your feast, to dine at your table, to take yourself completely into our, our, ourselves. We thank you for the future you've written for us. In your name we pray, amen.